Hello everyone, we're live um, at MHTV. Um, tonight we're talking about health and sustainability. We'd love it if you could join in. Um, you can join in one of several ways. You can either join in over on Facebook by logging into the Unite MHNA page, liking the page, and then you'll see the stream there live. And um, there's a box for you to ask questions. We love to have questions, so do ask any questions. Alternatively, if you're on Twitter, just um, go into the MHTV hashtag page and there you should hopefully find the list of tweets. And again, I'll be looking at that throughout. So if you've got any questions for our guests tonight, if you um, type them in there and I'll feed them into the discussion. I'll hand you over to Nikki, who will introduce herself and our guests. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Lovely to see you. Welcome to Greenhouse Sustainability is our discussion tonight. Um, let's invite our guests to introduce themselves. So Anna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Anna. I'm a pediatric nurse from Germany. Um, and I'm currently working as a climate officer for Healthcare Without Harm Europe. And there I am responsible for the Nurses Climate Challenge, working on resources for nurses who want to learn about climate um, climate change impacts on health and educate others about that and become advocates also for it. Fantastic. Thank you. And Heather? Hi there, my name is Heather Baid. I'm an intensive care nurse and I work at the University of Brighton. And my main job is leading the intensive care nursing education, but I've always been really interested in environmental issues and green health. And so I've been embedding it into my teaching for some time. And now starting to more formally do that through this movement around bringing planetary health and green health um, concepts into healthcare education. I also help to lead a sustainability special interest group within our School of Sport and Health Sciences. We organize an annual conference every year and been liaising with Anna and Siobhan who are here today in their organizations and collaborating together around um, various different aspects and ways that we can start to embed sustainability mm -hmm. into nursing education more. So really happy to be here today to have this conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. And Siobhan, last but not least. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Siobhan Parso-Williams. I'm a general registered nurse. Uh, my background is in uh, secondary care and primary care. Um, and also education and research, um, including some mental health research as well. Um, my current role at the moment, um, so I work at the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare, um, and we work with the NHS to help them achieve their net zero targets. Uh, and it's based in Oxford in England. Um, I'm currently project managing um, a health education England funded project, um, and it's mm -hmm. also by the Health Foundation. And it's um, looking at sustainability in quality improvement. So health professionals and innovations, um, mm. looking at sort of a holistic view, um, you know, looking at environmental, social, um, and also patient um, and population outcomes. Mm. So that's working to integrate that into all healthcare professions um, education. And I also um, I'm the network lead for the Green Nurse Network. Fantastic. Um, we'll be tweeting out all those different things as well, so that if anyone's interested in these, um, uh, being part of these organisations or understanding more about them, um, please absolutely get in touch because this is very much um, an issue whose time has passed but come for sure. And a lot of people who have been doing lots of different small pieces of work are finally getting to a point where we're able to join together and actually do something quite quite big now and I think we're really seeing a real change. So before we go further, let's just kind of iron out what do we mean by sustainability? 
And what's it got to do with healthcare? So who wants to have a go with that one? Um, I think, I know Heather has a lot of thoughts on like the uh, definition of sustainability because it's often in the NHS, for example, in healthcare, it's used in terms of longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, obviously you also have like environmental um, sustainability. I know the, the Royal College of um, Physicians have defined sustainability as a domain of quality, um, which needs to run through and moderate um, all the other domains of quality, like timeliness, safety, patient-centeredness. And it's really important um, that we design and innovate, you know, have healthcare, which is not only fit for purpose for patients today um, and individuals, but also for populations and patients in the future. Did you want to add to that then, Heather? Yeah, I think, you know, this sort of concept of sustainability and the sort of interlinking and interrelated concept of sustainable development um, mean many different things to many different people. So I think it's quite a broad concept and it's very subjective. So for some people, it's about financial sustainability, as you were saying, Siobhan, sort of you know, sustaining the service. For others, it's about sustaining people and the people resource. So you could look at that as social sustainability or t- tonight we're focusing on environmental and eco issues and you know, in the environmental sustainability comes in. And within my own research and just my own travels in the literature and just teaching mm. and, and as a nurse and things, it, it really does seem like they all interrelate and they all influence each other. And you can't really have one aspect of sustainability mm. without it impacting on and be impacted by the other mm. domains. And I really like this SUSQI model that the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare recent, well, not so recently, a couple of years now, I think it's been out. Um, and we've been using it as a suggested framework for students in university assignments because sustainability fits with everything that we do. So if you look at quality healthcare, well, what is quality? How do you define that? And if you have quality today, well, how do you know it's sustainable for the future? So one element of that could be sustaining quality, for example, in um, an intervention in mental health nursing, you know, Mm -hmm. how is it sustainable? What's the financial resource that are needed? What are the environmental resources and the carbon footprint of that practice? And Mm -hmm. is there a way of being more efficient, more effective, more safe and, Mm -hmm. um, and using that SUSQI model is a really good place to start. I think for students looking at adding in analysis or depth to assignments and critical thinking, from personal experience, I think you can take that concept of sustainability and really apply it to anything that you're doing. And it just lifts the level of really whatever you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Other parts in mental health are, you know, looking at things like, I know you had a, uh, a previous podcast on social prescribing and green health mm-hmm. and, you know, looking <clears throat> at alternative ways of achieving quality health or quality mm-hmm. health care, but through a way which um, is um, more sustainable. And another way I explain things to my students is that Goldilocks principle, not too much and not too little, but just right. So whatever that quality is, how can we Mm. achieve that with the minimum amount of resources, but not losing the quality, not cutting corners and the patient centeredness and the patient and family needs first um, is another, I think, really important part of the ethos and and philosophy. And the other side to the the sort of coin and interlinking is about the climate crisis and the public Mm. health aspects. So as a healthcare service, we have a huge carbon footprint. It's 
um, oh, Anna will correct me if I'm wrong, the Healthcare Without Harm report, 4.4% of the total global net emissions, like it mm -hmm. comes out like the fifth largest, if it was yeah. a country, it'd be the fifth largest. So yeah. as a healthcare service, we have a responsibility to think about planetary health. Mm. But as members of the public, we're all impacted as are our patients and families and clients, however you um, define the people you work with, um, mm. around things like pollution and nutrition and um, forced migration. That's ultimately because of the climate mm. crisis. And a lot of people are, you know, sort of, there's often this phrase now, the, it's no, we shouldn't be saying climate change. It's a climate crisis because of the urgency, mm. but ultimately mm. it's a health crisis. Mm. And using that language, I think, mm. makes it relatable to mm. those of us who are working in healthcare fields. Mm. And I think one of the things that makes it really relevant for the sort of people that we work with and support as well is no matter what happens, it always hits the most vulnerable the mm. hardest. Yeah. Whether it's some like a, a, a hurricane like Katrina, taking out all that kind of really low income family housing, um, flooding, dispossession, uh, all the kind of attendant horror that went with that. It's mm. always the same. And again, if you take it from a, from a, a British perspective, then the places where there is the most um, overcrowding, there is the most uh, fumes, there is the most, the, the least good air quality. Those are the areas, you don't get rich people living there, you know, and they're always, you know, that kind of intersectionality and that kind of multiple overlapping disadvantage is something that's really, really relevant for health. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could um, add anything else into there for, just, just for the pot, Anna, for us to be thinking about in terms of um, nursing and, and green health and sustainability. Yeah, um, and how nursing comes into there, I think, is mm. um, we're working all the time, usually with those vulnerable people who are going to be hit mostly by climate change and who are going to be most impacted by it. And I think that gives us some kind of responsibility to take care of them and to make sure that, well, sustainability, that we use the resources that we have now to also be able to provide that health care in the future. Um, and also to to um, build resilience um, because there are already impacts of climate change. I mean, I'm from Western Germany, so we've just seen that here with the huge floods. Mm -hmm. um, but um, there's going to be even more impacts and they're just going to grow. So um, we as nurses are going to see that um, in, uh, in our practice, in our daily practice. And um, we're also going to have to learn some th new things because there yeah. are going to be changes also in the disease. Mm -hmm. uh, diseases we see, vectors are moving north. Um, so mm -hmm. maybe some not so pleasant things are going to come over to England soon mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think it's a big, big role that we have to play. And then we also have like the... Um, well, the trust of a lot of people, like nurses have been voted to be the most trusted profession in like mm. lots of countries around the world again and again. And I think that also gives us some responsibility again um, to use that trust that people set into us um, mm. and spread the right message, um, mm. ask the right people to do things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So we will obviously be asking for your questions as well at home and obviously Vanessa as well, if you've got anything that you wanted to particularly focus in on, do say. But I think we've talked a little bit about how it impacts health very broadly, but there were, I think there are some people still who really don't see it as part of the nursing role. And it's, it's such a strange thing. So I think one of my first memories of working in the NHS was things like when it was too hot, we had no control over turning the heating down, just opening the windows. And I mean, you look at it now and it's like, 
still happening, isn't it? We still can't we still can't get the heating and temperature right. We're still looking at lots of waste. We've got theatres up to their eyeballs in plastic because of COVID at the moment. And you can really see that, you know, even people who do who are quite thoughtful in their personal life, you know, the recycling and doing things like that, when they come to work, it's like all bets are off. <laughs> what what have you got any thoughts about, you know, particularly why it's part of nursing or why nurses should be concerned by it? Well, I think, um, well, firstly, um, you know, this is climate, the climate crisis is the biggest public health crisis of our time, you know, of our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's something that we, you know, have to really, uh, you know, it's a difficult pill to swallow, but it is the mm -hmm. reality. And, um, you know, if we don't do anything now, we are going to be set back by about 50 years um in public health gains mm. um you know it's you know uh, the lancet i think reported you know how every child born today will be profoundly affected um you know by the the impacts of climate change mm. and because of that you know we're going to see um lots you know much more uh, extreme weather events like hannah was yeah. Uh, you know we're, we're already seeing those happen now um yeah. you know we're going to see the spread of infectious diseases increase uh with more in, um intense um heat waves you know we're going to see um lots of already we're seeing lots of um health complications um so like with you know air temperature rises poor um air quality um you then see sort of increased, you know, sort of exacerbations of chronic disease like um, mm. vascular disease, mm. disease um, kidney disease mm. as well. But also, you know, mental health is uh, a big yeah. factor. Well, you know, climate yeah. anxiety, you know, it's, it's a big thing to kind of cope with. Um, yeah. But there, there is actually a really good um, resource called the Climate Cafe. Uh, so anyone who is dealing with climate anxiety, that's a really good um, mm. resource. Mm. But, you know, if when you see you know, the flooding and, and the, these big wildfires, you know, you see mm. displacement, you see um, destruction of people's homes. And, mm. and then you, can, you get increases of like PTSD, anxiety, mm. depression, yeah. you get survivor guilt, um, mm. and suicidal ideation. So, mm. you know, it's going to have a direct impact. So although, it, you know, at the moment, the IPCC said that at the moment we're on a trajectory for a three to four degrees Celsius temperature, yeah. and we need to keep it at under two degrees at 1.5. Um, and a lot more needs to be done. But I think we have to keep optimism. As mm. well, you know, and actually, although it is the greatest risk mm. of our time, it also presents the greatest opportunity mm. to turn this around. And like mm. I was saying, you know, about, you know, um, minority groups or, um, you know, quality, you know, we can work while trying to solve this, you know, yeah. those improve as well. So... Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I find a bit confusing, if you don't mind me just coming in there, is 
You've got the World Health Organization, World Health Organization saying this is the biggest public health crisis of our time. You've even got people like the editor of The Lancet saying doctors have a moral duty to get involved in non-violent resistance. The nurses is just like there's some very small pockets, but it doesn't feel mm. like it's it's a broad discussion in our in our family of nursing. The RCN is going on. Have a duty, you know, as nurses, it's in the code. You know, we have a duty of care to protect public health. It is our duty to do something about climate change. Um, I think at the moment there isn't, um, you know, we're we're trying to sort of the NMC went out to consultation on their education standards uh, recently, and we've tried to suggest that they include sustainable healthcare and how to, you know, how necessary. Mm. Um, I'll let the other uh, add to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're saying there's really important, Nikki, that's about explicit, transparent commitment. And mm. there's a number of healthcare organizations. Um, the, all the you know various rural colleges, or um, mm. I know the, in my own field of intensive care, the British Association of Critical Care Nurses just did a mm. declaration that climate crisis is a health crisis. And as an organization, mm. you know we're pledging to try to do something about it. The Intensive mm. Care Society is currently running a series on the climate crisis, um, etc. Mm -hmm. But and I think within nursing, it's um, it is there. But I think you know as the biggest profession. And Anna will be able to expand yeah. on this further, I'm sure, with the Nurses Climate Challenge and the work that you're doing in Healthcare Without Harm Europe, that, you know, there's power in numbers and there's yeah. a lot of nurses. And so I think there's a voice there that we can use. And mm. whether it's being explicit in learning outcomes of what we require all nursing schools, which the doctors have, OTs have, as far as I understand, I think mm. there's something about um, sustainability within midwifery. Oh, is it called the standards of proficiency? No, standards, yeah. something about proficiency and, you know, mm. um, education stuff for midwives. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, as nurses, if we feel this is important, it's up to us to to be liaising with or um, mm. is demanding the right word? I don't know. Is, is it crisis demanding that, you <laughs> know, you having a voice? The on why we're too quiet. Should we say demanding? Well, well exactly. Yeah, and I'm Canadian too, right? <laughs> But um, just and, it. it's fine. Yeah, and I think you know now is the time. And the other thing that I found really, really helpful is I used to feel like I was the only person because nobody else seemed to talk about it. And now there's lots of people talking about it. And I think particularly in nursing, things like the Green Nurse Network mm. and the Healthcare Without Harms Nurses Climate Challenge campaign, mm. there are other like-minded people out there. And if they're not obvious in your own area, they will be obvious somewhere else. And find people that are. Um, you know, trying to do the similar things as you and declare mm -hmm. yourself a champion. A couple of years yeah. ago at our annual sustainable healthcare conference, one of the mental health nurses um, locally here who'd only graduated, I think something like a year, like she'd only been working about a year. She just decided the local mental health um, inpatient place where she worked needed to sort out sustainability. She declared herself a champion. She got rid of styrofoam cups, I think if I remember, and did some things about medicine and how they were dispensed and got people talking about it. And it just takes one person to start a conversation, but there's power in community and supporting each other and not replicating things and, and feeling like you're supported um, rather than feeling like you're by yourself. And I think there's something else you were saying, Siobhan, about changing the perspective. The original Lancet 
um, I think what was it called the uh, commission or whatever the mm. original stuff back in about 2009 was about it being mm. uh, the biggest global health threat. And at some point I noticed they changed their language to being an opportunity. It's an opportunity mm. to do something for the future. Same yeah. initiatives, but I think we're all a bit overwhelmed in the pandemic. People's bandwidth to take on, you know, global climate. Uh, climate crisis it, yeah. it's anxiety provoking it's too much it feels like it's happening to somebody else but that realization is happening to all of us all the time it's a lot to take on and mm -hmm. so trying to find ways individually as well as collectively but as an opportunity and using the pandemic you know we've never had this sense of like well where does stuff come from you know where are ppe um, like gloves and things coming from well actually maybe we could have a conversation about that and could it be done in a more sustainable way mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in the mental health field like we were saying earlier around social prescribing and blue space and green space and i think mm -hmm. there's so many aspects of the pandemic that have just prompted us all both yeah. in our personal lives as well as our professional lives um, mm. and using that as an advantage. Mm. I think the interrelatedness of things is much mm. more apparent as well. Anna, did you want to talk about those initiatives? Because I think they do sound really important for people to understand. Sure. Yeah, I, I actually it's built on the idea that Heather said that there is some strength in numbers and that we seem to be really not connected in nursing. Like, I think the, the physicians have something there that we haven't reached yet, this whole also international connectedness in between um, not just the organizations, but also the, the individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this, this hearing about others who are also passionate about it and who think it's important, that gives you some confidence that maybe when you feel like you're the only one in the world who cares about it, um, you just don't have. And so, yeah, with the Nurses Climate Challenge, basically what I'm trying to do is to connect the right people with each other and um, tell the stories of the people who are already doing great projects. Like, for example, um, I just published a, um, a case study at the Nurses Climate Challenge of a nurse uh, in Ireland who just decided she's going to plant uh, one tree for every nurse in Ireland because they deserve it and uh, went to the I think the office of the Minister of Agriculture and was like okay and you're going to plant the first tree and because she was just so direct they did it like, <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised how how much you can actually get done if you just have the courage to do it and have the feeling that there's people sitting behind you and supporting you doing it and um, yeah, and also not being that much afraid of climate change or climate crisis, or the climate crisis, because like I think Shavanius said it that it's like it's a huge crisis, but it's also an opportunity because most of the things that we're fighting against there we're working on anyway because the mm -hmm. the things that make the planet sick are often what make the people sick anyway. So if it is overconsumption mm -hmm. that leads to diabetes, if it is not being active and using only a car, making the air bad and also uh, leading to overweight maybe. Mm -hmm. Like all these things are anyway what we're working on day to day with the patients we work with. And it's basically a co-benefit. There's no nothing to lose by fighting against climate change there. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is, go is going on? So you've got, you've got a, a European network, and you're looking at a particular challenge. So what are you asking people to do? What's the nature of the challenge for nurses? Yeah, the challenge is that nurses uh, will sign up and then um, learn about it, but then not just stop there. 
uh, but go out and teach all the other healthcare professionals around them. If it's only their team, that's fine, but they can also go further. And um, we have uh, presentations produced for them. So there's no need to sit down and write down notes mm. or pre prepare anything. You literally can use everything that's there mm. and just educate people around you why it's important to act. Mm. And then go on from there and, um, well, maybe go advocate or change things in your daily practice. Mm. Um, because there are already quite a few people who do that. And uh, it's going to be a, quite a big challenge to, to change mm. the healthcare to be sustainable and climate smart. Yeah, definitely. Can I add a comment think, about that um, championing kind of a role? I think it's a really exciting initiative that mm. the, the Healthcare Without Harm in America has mm. started previously, haven't they? And now this yeah. is a European version of it. It's just that representation of that kind of grassroots, um, what you might call bottom-up approach. Mm. But from personal experience, sometimes if it's bottom-up and you feel like you can't get anywhere and you're banging your head against the 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 wall on um, policies or uh, like sometimes you do need a bit of strategic top-down as well and you're really talking about the nurse going and speaking to um, was that the minister of agriculture or something you know but whether it's your chief exec or your head of sustainability mm. your matron in mental health your lead mental mm. health that sometimes mm. you do need a bit of both but mm. oftentimes um, and in England and Wales now has a, a net zero equivalent and I think Scotland is coming as well and I'm not sure about in other mm. countries and things that there the strategic um, documentation is there but it's about mm. connecting the two up together um, and, and I think yeah. if it's all top down it doesn't quite work if it's all bottom mm. up doesn't work and ultimately to be truly sustainable like how do you sustain the sustainability you need a bit of both mm. Mm. And I think what's really great so if, you, if you're watching this home please do Follow the link and have a have a look on and sign in to have a look at the resources and you'll be able to see there's actually tons of information there and if you do want to have those conversations with your colleague there's information about how you can be an advocate how you can do things and i think one of the things that that siobhan and heather and, and anna were all saying is is you know this is an opportunity it's a crisis and an opportunity it's a opportunity. so it's a, it's an option to do something rather than just be scared and powerless because you are not you're not those things so let's go to Vanessa now because I know there's some sorts of questions coming through. Yeah, we've had, um, yeah, we've had um, a few questions um, from students asking how they can get involved and also how they can get themselves heard. So that's the first one. We've um, we've also um, I'll give you a couple of questions for now. We've also got a question from Dave, which is about um, COVID. And whether you think your views on whether that's made the NHS more sustainable or less sustainable um, in terms of things like less travel, um, but obviously single use PPE and that kind of thing. So quite different questions. So first one about students. I think if um, students, you know, are interested in this and they want to get involved. Um, so the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare have networks. Um, earlier so we've got the green nurse network so if you go to the kind of sustainable healthcare website um or you can search the green nurse network on twitter it's just at green nurse on word right then, we'll tweet that out yeah yeah i'm just doing it <laughs> uh so that's basically an informal network of nurses of you know students 
registered nurses, retired nurses, anyone who has a, an interest and wants to get involved in sustainability um, to link up. And um, yeah, if anyone's really keen in the next, you know, sort of later this month, we're going to be looking for volunteers as well. So if anyone is interested and wants to sort of um, has a bit of time, um, you know, the, it, as much or as little as they, they want, that would like to get involved in that, then um, keep an eye out on the network and the the Twitter uh, um, page. Mm -hmm. um, in in terms of, I mean, I would say, you know, if you wanted to get involved in terms of making a difference, you know, within your practice, you know, I think what Heather was talking about earlier, you know, how um, it's Sabrina Carter, wasn't it, um, who did the... Mm, um, so she was a newly qualified nurse and she decided that she could see obviously that there was so much waste with disposable cups and she made a, a change um, to, you know, um, reusable ones hmm. um, and made, you know, there was a big carbon saving from that, but also hmm. uh the outcomes of patients improved as well because they're more sturdy for patients to hold when taking medication. Mm. But I think it really highlights that, you know, you don't have to be a manager to be a leader in sustainable mm. or anything, but, you know, you can drive this, you know, and you can find out um, each trust should have a green plan. Um, so, you know, you can find out who your sustainability leaders, ask them about their green plan and find out what's happening because um, you know there might already be stuff going on um and often the sustainability has sat within estates and there's been a real disconnect between estates and clinicians traditionally yeah. and still very much yeah. is and, and culturally as well um yeah. but very often in my experience people in estates are, are really um interested and would absolutely love the opportunity to speak with clinicians more um or people who are in charge of procurement like the ordering of stuffs people who are in charge of waste management and i think another really um useful way is starting a conversation with um, your procurement leads your um, waste leads and you you'll probably find that they're really appreciative of having the um the connection mm. And, there's some um, stuff there about sort of finding finding who else is interested in forming sort of coalitions. There's stuff there about you don't have to do everything as long as everybody does a bit of something. And then this idea about having kind of conversations, even if you, even if what you achieve is to bring it to a conversation across these kind of silos that we work in, that's already starting to make things a bit better. Well, I don't know if there's any educators listening today or if this is being recorded in yes, the future or students that are part of conversations around placements, because I know placements... Mm -hmm are always a big topic in pre-registration nursing education or other healthcare professions. And one thing that uh, we've been looking at is, are there places where students could have a clinical placement? And I understand every course is going to be different. Every country is going to be different, you know, whether that's six week, a week, a few months, a condensed thing, you know, there's probably various models, but mm -hmm. if sustainability is part of healthcare, well, why not have a clinical placement with the sustainability team in estates or um, in, in Brighton, we've connected in with, um, you know, those types of organizations or healthcare organizations. So it's just something to think about, um, which also is it's just really useful in this time where um, placement mm -hmm. areas are as good as gold. I know, that's they? what and I was thinking. 
I know. And so <laughs> I mean, people with placements everywhere going, wait, what? What did she say? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as students, you might think like, oh, I don't have any control over that. And or you might be at the end of your studies. But it's just something to think about to to bring up with your educator um, leads um, or if there's any nursing lecturers looking for creative ways of mm finding um, nursing experience or healthcare experience if you're from other professions mm. that you know you, yes. if this whole world of sustainability is becoming part of everything that we do then mm. it's not just the teaching of it it's having the practice of it and also being assessed on it how are we being yeah. assessed on sustainability because if we're not assessing it how do we know whether we're doing it within education so mm. just some education perspectives there mm. i don't think you've got the other question as well the uh, thumbs up thumbs down are we getting better or worse with covid so no travel but extra plastic How's that, how's that working out? What, what are your thoughts on the impact of COVID? I'm not sure if there's like a way to calculate. <laughs> I feel like everyone's mentally other. calculating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like obviously, on some hands, we're we're traveling less and we're starting to learn how to use all the virtual uh, ways of communicating. I mean, we're now meeting and we're all in different places. Yeah. But. On the other hand, I think it also had some really bad impacts on like yeah, how much PPE was used. Like there were mountains of it. And then also, for example, here in Germany, um, we have to, by law, wear the um, single-use masks um, if we want to go into a restaurant or a, um, a train, any public transport. Mm -hmm. So that's also just creating so much waste that would have not been created before. So I don't think there's anybody who can say what is actually the uh, under the line here. Um, how much did it help? How much did it stop? But I think you'll have wins on some things, and you know, yeah, and the other thing is just the, the increased volume. Yeah, but maybe it did give people an idea of how bad it is. Like mm. the whole mountain of PPE actually made people think about how bad it is and how where does this all come from and why do we need this actually so, it's also yeah. raised up the whole question about infection prevention and um, very often that differs in different places and very often the practice isn't what the policy actually is so if you look at what your infection prevention policy actually says about when to use gloves there can be a real disconnect with the reality of when gloves are used and in England, the Royal College of Nurses have done a lot of work on this um, yeah. from an occupational health point of view, because if you're overusing gloves and you have dermatitis yeah. um, and there's there's um, quite good evidence around misusing gloves actually increases infections. And anecdotally, mm. I know there's been a lot of talk about increased central line infections or, mm. um, you know, because people don't wash their hands as much or properly with that sort of mm. sense that you're covered with the gloves. Mm. And in the pandemic times, there's been huge amounts of discussions around when we wear gloves and the early mm. days of double gloves and then triple gloves mm. yeah. and, and all of that. So I think some of that's been really good to mm. make us all question like, what is our practice? And the Great Ormond Street um, Hospital in, in London, they've done a fantastic project. Hannah's <laughs> is quite well known now um, in the sustainability world where they did a big quality improvement project around gloves. And I love their metric they used around dinosaurs because for those that don't know, it's a pediatric right. hospital. So they've raised, <laughs> was it 2.3 or 3.2, something like that, or saved um, equivalent of Tyrannosaurus rexus. So they've they've measured how much money they saved because they're, they're not overusing gloves, which is, you know, these millions of gloves gloves used over years that were saved. So that's a certain amount of money. You can put a carbon footprint cost on that, but you could also weigh it up and say, well, how many Tyrannosaurus Rexes does that 
equate to and in the pediatric world it's meaningful and it's fun and it, you yeah. know it's about language and there's some um, mm. there's quite a few videos I'll find them and put them in the link it's a, it's yeah, a really good example of you know a simple measure that was very nurse led it was led by the nurses as far as i understand and they asked nurses to risk assess and to make their own judgments and be empowered mm. to we're not saying don't wear gloves but mm. wear gloves appropriately it's back to that goldilocks principle of mm. you know don't cut the corners but don't overdo it find that mm. just right mm. in the middle and I think the pandemic has really, really pushed that and made us all think about, in a way, rationing care. You know, we don't have the ability financially, environmentally. I think the other thing is bringing in social sides of staff well-being and staff shortages and just the mental health impact of the pandemic on staff. Because I think you can put the finances in, you can sort out the carbon footprint. If you haven't got any staff and staff that are well, Mm. then the environment and the financial stuff uh, become irrelevant, don't they? So I think that's mm. probably one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle of the mm. complexity. Mm. That's what I was thinking about the, um, in terms of, you know, the impact with COVID. I think we're so, you know, the shortage of nurses is so apparent, isn't it? And it's really um, having an impact. And I think on the time, you know, that we can spend on these things. So, Mm. Um, uh, you know, when I talk about the sustainability quality improvement uh, framework, that was really designed so that, um, you know, you can kind of look at, scan what's going on in, in your area and you can really kind of, um, kind of break it down into something that's manageable and something mm. that do in your area that's realistic um mm. you know with the time that you've got um so there was um another example of a quality improvement project um at i think it was uh royal devon and exeter trust and mm. uh, the emergency department they found that um a lot of there was a lot of wasteful practice in terms of uh, the cannula being used. Yeah. They were cannulate. They found they discovered that a lot of patients were being cannulated just in case, mm. um, and then they were never used. Mm. Mm. I think it was like half of them that were being put in in triage. Uh, so they did a they you know hypothesized. Um, you know, that this was kind of a waste of resources, a waste of staff time. And not only that, you know, the, the impact on patients, you mm -hmm. know, comfort and also a risk of infection control, which is totally unnecessary. Uh, so they um, designed a think before you cannulate um, campaign, education campaign, and, and just educated everyone in their department um, about, you know, thinking about why they were doing it and mm -hmm needed mm. and so they calculated what they were using how many cannulas and the bionectors because obviously you know it's not just the cannulas you've got the dressing you've got you know you've got clean it first you know you've got the gloves the PPE the masks and everything now mm -hmm. um you know and then um and then if not you know if it wasn't being used but they they measured everything before yeah and they measured it afterwards as part of the improvement project and they actually say, they calculated that they, they made a saving of £30,000 a year just oh. by, um, you know, that's... By not sticking needles in people they didn't need to stick. 
Well, there's a lot of talk on that right now because of the yeah. shortage of blood vials. You know how there's a shortage because mm. of the pandemic. And so I've seen so many tweets on that advice you people saying, oh, do you think we need to do daily blood tests? You know, just because that just in case where it's not always needed. I've, mm. um, and the other campaign, I just put that in the chat function for somebody to share on the social media links, um, the Choosing Wisely campaign. If you've not seen that before, it's about choosing wisely. And um, it's, it's I think it's an international thing, but there's a UK Equivalent. And I've not looked up the mental health side, but I think there's sort of subsections or specialities within that around encouraging healthcare professionals to think about uh, and be responsible and be stewards in the resources that we use. Um, and it's a, it's just another resource that might be relevant to this conversation. Thank you. Time is going to get away from us. So let's go to Vanessa for the last couple of points from, from people who are tuning in. So I can see there's a two or three things left. And then we'll come to you guys for like some, some thoughts to leave people with. Yeah, well, just before we do that, I feel like I've been sat here thinking about, um, we've talked a lot about environment, environmental issues from a sort of personal and an organisational perspective, but thinking about um, green issues from a sort of community and probably a political perspective as well, um, what can we do to influence change there? Because I think the reality is there is some inequality when we talk about green issues a lot of people who don't have access to green space, for example, um, when we talk about um, sort of more green practices that we can adopt at home, they often take time. Um, you know, for example, um, I'm vegan, so vegan food's often a lot more expensive. Um, if you cook from scratch, it takes time. Not everyone has access to um, you know to, to greener options, and of course, you know we mentioned earlier about obesity, but you know, we know that obesity is often linked to bigger issues around inequality. So I suppose my question is, as nurses and healthcare professionals, what can we do to influence the inequality in, um, in green justice, really? Because I think there is something about green justice here as well. It's a big question to end on, but I feel as a mental health nurse, it's something that we should be talking about. Uh, you know, Anna touched on it earlier, is that you know, nurses are the most trusted profession. And I think we, as nurses, have a powerful voice. Um, and I think using that, there's lots of, um, there's an organisation called Health Declares, um, which is, you can join, again, that's, they're on Twitter and there's a website. Um, and called again, sorry. Health Declares. Declares. And so they're working to um, lobby trusts, um, rural colleges, um, you know, different institutions to declare a climate emergency and then put plans out. Uh, there's, there's also um, lots of grassroots movements that you can get part with and, you know, like the Green Nurse Network. And we've got COP26 coming up as well. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people will be going up there. I think there'll be lots of people um, demanding that this is put on, you know, that we have a, an agenda that, you know, that does address um, climate challenge. But I think by addressing that, you know, it's including looking at social aspects, thinking about diversity, equality, um, and equity, you know, in terms of access to, to care and, and green space. 
That's great. I've shared that and um, and I'll share the link as well. I've shared, I've shared the title of it for now, but I will go back and share the link for people who are listening. Was anything coming in just to finish up with on? Uh, have a quick look, see if um, we've missed anything. Um, I was just going to add in, I think there's something intuitive within the ethos of what nurses do, or I mean, again, defining nursing could be different for different people, but I think that whole concept of prevention and um, public health and you don't have to call it sustainability you don't have to call it a green action but as a nurse advocating you know if you as a community nurse recognize that actually the real issue here is somebody's boiler doesn't work and they're cold and that's why it's mm. affecting their mental health as well as their mm. physical health and i think it's using that mindset of sometimes mm. it it might be something a little bit outside the box or, or even political um mm. in so sorting out social inequalities um, mm. which doesn't necessarily say the word carbon footprint or sustainability but underneath it all if you resolve that there's a real mm. um, environmental co-benefit that comes about mm. maybe climate justice is also very very much involved in like uh, who will be impacted i mean it's not only us mm. or like not only england not only europe there's like so much more to climate change and the the issues that it brings and like maybe we will get through with it kind of okay um as like uh, middle class uh, working people with quite a good income but then um the same people in the community who don't have that standing maybe won't and then even worse in countries where they don't have that health system that um, support system um, in place um, so that's also quite political then at some point. Yeah. And there's been a lot of interlinking recently, I've noticed with, um, use that phrase, Anna, climate justice and racial inequalities and interlinks between um, particular communities and uh, racial undertones, et cetera, and things. And I think um, it, it does get very, very political. Mm. Like anything in nursing, doesn't it? As soon as you dig into actually what's causing it. Mm. Turns out not to be the leg break that's the problem, it's the everything mm. else ness, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Alfonso has written in here saying, uh, for our students watching, how did you guys get into, you know, the field? Because obviously you've all got these sort of like other, other interests in greenhouse. So how did that come about as your health workers and nurses? Why did you suddenly think, right, I'm going to put time and effort into this because we're all busy, aren't we? So what made you make that decision? Well, I think I've always been environmentally conscious and I've always wanted to integrate it into my nursing. And I remember trying to bring it up years and years ago. I think I'm a bit older than um, Anna Siobhan. But, um, and getting, if I'm really honest, getting completely laughed at and being told that's not part of your job and why mm. would you want to do that? Um, mm. um, but, and I think I've just kind of quietly started doing it, um, thinking that, um, sorry, for obvious reasons, I'm <laughs> wishing I had changed my background. It was all going so well. <laughs> you know, what's going on behind the scenes? I thought that you were doing a great job just continuing. <laughs> <laughs> you did say one time you had a fire, didn't you? But, um, you never know what's going to happen. But, um, and, and just like we were saying, you know, I work in education. So we we're saying any nurse can declare themselves a champion. I think I just, I originally our yeah. conference wasn't a conference. I booked a room, told people, said, bring your lunch and somehow it's grown into a conference and we've just created a group and why not just call yourself a champion you are now as of as of when you've called it and that's how I've done it mm -hmm. and and found strategic ways where there are reports and 
um, top-down things and finding people higher up that are really, really committed, not greenwashing, pretending to be committed, generally committed and getting um, strategic um, support mm -hmm. is, is another um, real advantage that I found. Mm -hmm. Okay. Siobhan, Anna? Yeah, so I, I kind of echo, um, you know, what Heather said. Like, I remember when I just, I was just coming to the end of qualifying as student nurse and um, telling my uh, academic advisor that I wanted to, I wanted to do something around uh, the electric in the hospital and, you know, sort of saving it, um, electricity and you know, I think they looked at me like I had three heads, like it was kind of like, what? Um, but I, I've always been an environmental activist. So in my personal life, uh, I was doing that. Um, and then I think it was just, you know, um, I was kind of felt drawn to it and, you know, the waste and, and the things that were conflicting with my personal um Kind of life and uh, and then I kind of, I sort of connected with Heather actually online, um, mm. brilliant. And then um, I saw the opportunity come up at the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare, um, so I went for it. Um, but for me, it was really joining two massive passions for me, and and kind of joining the dots, you know, because you know a healthy planet really does, you know, it's the health of the planet is connected fully to the health of um, humans and, and other life. Um, mm. So I think that was really, but I think it, it's, it'd be great to have sustainability nursing as a speciality in its own right, because I think it's so important. Yeah. I like that idea. Like have that you just, have, have you just declared that Siobhan? It is a thing now <laughs> because you've done it on this. It's it, That's it. It's, it's a thing. It's officially a thing. You're the first one. Specialist. Um, yeah, that that'll do. <laughs> um, Anna, how did you how did you come to to focus on this area? Come a bit from a different angle, I think, um, because I come from more from the climate justice side, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I I studied nursing in Germany, but I worked in um, well, actually not as a full registered nurse yet, but uh, for a year in Uganda and also then as a registered nurse uh, in Greece in the refugee camps. And just, um, well, I was shocked how much impact all these things have on people in other places and who don't have these support systems like uh, in like a university clinic in Germany um, where I was working before. And um, well, went then on to study international relations. So I have a degree in international relations. Mm -hmm. um, thinking that, oh, if I know about politics, maybe I can solve that issue. Well, it turns out it was quite more um, complicated than I thought. Yeah. Um, but then involved a lot with um, Extinction Rebellion as a student representative and mm -hmm. um, yeah, try to bring all those things together basically with uh, healthcare without harm in my work here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for that. That's really. It's, I think it's really helpful for people to to understand. And I think one of the brilliant things about nursing is you can combine your personal and professional passions, and they and they actually just strengthen each other. And I think that's so exciting. It's one of the most amazing bits of 
about this type of work. Um, I was just um, having a quick chat with Vanessa then as we were doing, listening to what you were saying, and, and there's been a lot more activity online, so we're going to have to, I think, come back to some of that um, offline. So if you've asked questions or anything, please don't think we're ignoring you. It's just that we're running um, quite long tonight on tonight's um, episode. So we'll come around everybody and have yeah. um, just any summing up. So we'll go to Vanessa first. Yeah, just um, to reiterate what Nikki said, really, we will have a look uh, on Twitter as well response to any questions that we've missed and um, if our guests get the get chance if you could have a look on twitter as well and facebook and see if there's anything that you could maybe answer that way as to to miss people's questions but we've suddenly got an influx towards the end of the conversation unfortunately some mm -hmm. indication that we need to come back because I don't think we can, no. um, you know, fully discuss it and give it justice, can we, in 45 minutes? So, um, But, yeah, for me, it's been a really interesting um, introductory chat to the topic, and it would be great to come back to it, I think, as well, and maybe pick up on some of the individual themes that we've talked about, because I think there's lots of themes that we could maybe talk about mm -hmm. as separate chats in themselves, perhaps that would be a way forward. Mm -hmm. So it's an invitation to come back if you're interested and... Thank you to um to our guests. Absolutely. Are there any any last thoughts from from you, Anna, that you wanted to share? Well, any last thoughts? I'd love to see some of the people who listen today uh, in the Nurses Climate Challenge, and I hope to uh, well maybe meet them all at some point, uh, either by them sending in their own case studies of projects, maybe inspired by what we've said today. Yeah. Um, that would be lovely. <laughs> I was just going to suggest if um, everybody goes and finds one, either one new person or one more person, if you already have people in your learning group in your local areas who's interested in this and, and, and use that as a just one small thing we can all do to increase our own networks of, of people around us. And if you can't find anybody, um, look on Twitter. If you can't find anybody there, the Green Nurse or join the Green Nurse Network anyway. So there's, there will be somebody out there, but just as a um, turning this into a positive, thinking optimistically and find somebody else who can be optimistic with you and, and make some small changes. Like you said, Nikki, lots of people doing small things is far better than one person trying to do everything. Yeah. And Siobhan, you have the last words. What will you leave <laughs> us with? No pressure. <laughs> Definitely join the Green Nurse Network. Um, we'll be doing some uh, meetings as well, which people can join into um, later in the year. I'd really urge people if they've got any, you know, innovative ideas or, or would like to think about some ideas that they could put into practice to check out um, susqi.org. Um, uh, it's full of resources. So there's, you know, for students who are doing any service improvement projects or quality improvement projects, there's everything on there. If uh, there's any nurse educators, we're going to have a brand new educator pack on there from the 22nd of September. Um, and we also have a teaching SUSQI course, uh, which is on the 8th of December, which is um, at a discount rate for educators to come to. And there's, like I say, an educator pack ready for you. Um, I would just say uh, to the students and nurses, you know, that, you, again, you don't have to be a manager to be a leader. You, can, you Small changes can make big differences. Mm -hmm. and I, I would just like to say, yeah, 
you know, sort of drawing on the sort of nurses' climate challenge with educating our colleagues and what the SUSQI education project's doing is um, Nelson Mandela's quote, which is education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Definitely. I think that's a great place for us to finish up then. Absolutely. So thank you very much for, for our fantastic guests who've come from all over to join us tonight and talk about this really important and, and inspiring and interesting and worrying and important topic. And um, if you want to get involved, please do follow those links and we'll see you back for, for our next episode. So thank you very much, everybody. Good night. Good night. All. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.